So today's guest is Jen Pontanea, and Jen is a money coach, a speaker, a best-selling author of six books, and she has over 16 years in the financial industry. She now helps women go from confusion to clarity to create a healthy relationship with their money in order to better manage it. Now, the money mindset and the skills that she teaches now is a lot of what she has learned from experience. And she's going to be sharing a really kind of horrific story of financial ruin and betrayal and heartbreak. But hang in there with us because it gets better and it becomes a really empowering message and comeback story. So you're going to hear some really great tips and takeaways to help you step into your personal power around finances. So get ready to take some great notes. You're listening to The Inspired Wave, stories of everyday heroines, real life inspiration. I'm your host, transformational coach and connection catalyst, CJ Rivard. Join me weekly to hear real-life inspiration and tips for tackling your life's challenges. Each week, you'll hear from a relatable woman who shares about her struggles and the tools she used to work through them. By being women of courageous action, vision, and ongoing evolution, each of us can create a ripple of positive impact, and together, we'll create a wave of change. Join us. Well, welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today, we've got a great conversation planned with Jen. You just heard a little bit about her. And thank you for being here, Jen. I'm so excited. Thank you, CJ. I am super excited to be here with you as well. So before we really dig in, why don't you share a little bit about like where you're from or anything else you'd like us to know before we dig into your story? Absolutely. So I am located in Southern California. I'm very close to Knott's Berry Farm in Disneyland. So if that gives you any reference, I am in sunny California and love going out, trying new food. I mean, I'm so close to LA, so there's so many different fun things to do. But being in the financial industry for almost 17 years, it's been an incredible journey. And so my story, which we'll talk about and my experiences have taught me so much, not only for my own growth, but I am using those things to help encourage other people. So when I'm helping them with their own finances and managing it and understanding the conscious patterns and how to manage it based on, hey, what's going on? Where did you learn this? What came from your childhood? All of that works together. And so it's really all about helping people develop a better relationship and their money mindset in order to do better with the financial decisions that they make today. Oh boy, this is going to be good. I got to tell you, just hearing you say that, I'm sitting here thinking, oh yeah, money stories, relationships with money. This is fertile ground. There's a lot of stuff here. We may have to split this up into three episodes. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) All right. So why don't you take us back? I know there was a, you know, traumatic event that went on in around 2008, but why don't you tell us just a little bit about where you were before that and what life was like and yeah, get us started. Absolutely. So 
you know, before I got into the financial industry, I actually was a graphic designer. And I actually still do that stuff because I love it. It's my creative outlet. And yeah. And so what was interesting was I was in my early 20s and I was doing that. And I sat at my desk thinking, I'm making really great money, but I went to college and I never took a class on money. And I feel really stupid not knowing what I'm supposed to be doing with it (laughs) because we don't learn that in school. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have that term FOMO back then, but that is actually what it was. That fear of missing out, fear of missing out on knowing how come I don't know anything about investing? How come I wasn't taught any of this? Mm -hmm. And so that sparked the personal journey to get involved with my finances, meet with a financial advisor. And I started thinking, you know, this is confusing the way it's being explained. If I'm feeling this way, how many other people must feel lost as well? And so I ended up going into the industry, got licenses and all those things. But it was also a promise that I said to myself that when I help people, I want to be able to explain this in plain English. So that people don't feel intimidated. People don't feel like, I don't want to ask a stupid question. You know, I wanted it to be where people can feel empowered by getting this knowledge that we have been deprived of because we weren't learning it in school. So that's how I got started. And so that was about 17 years ago. But during that time, which, you know, leading up to it, I, I was already married. And unfortunately... We just started having a lot of issues. We had a lot of financial problems because he was a spender. I was a saver and it was just clashing. And so we continued to argue about a lot of different things. And so the relationship started to fall apart and eventually we ended up getting a divorce. So the challenge was at that time, because of the amount of income I had and the credit score that I had, everything was in my name. Wonderful. So when we divorced and when we split, unfortunately, because everything was in my name, I was the one that took the hit. So I ended up losing everything. This happened to be around the time that the housing market crashed, the financial market crashed, like every bank crashed. Everything was just falling apart, including my own personal life. And so also, you know, remember I was in the financial industry. And so I was also a financial advisor. So I experienced a lot of imposter syndrome, feeling like a fraud because here I am able to help other people mm-hmm. and helping them with their retirement planning, college planning, you know, setting up their estate and whatnot. And then here I am realizing in the back of what's happening is my own personal life was falling apart. But at least I could say I slept well at night knowing that I took care of my people, my clients, Uh but on the flip side, here I am losing everything. Here I am trying to figure out, well, how am I going to clean this up? This is such a devastating loss. And so I ended up having to file bankruptcy. I ended up with the IRS issues. Anything that you could imagine that went bad, it it went bad. And I was in a state where I was like becoming numb, where you're watching everything unfold and fall apart while your ex is walking away scot-free and building this resentment. And, but you're also dealing with your hurt heart and your hurt emotions and thinking you're stuck. You, You don't even, you can't even think sometimes. And so I look back on that moment where, you know, I know what it's like to go through something very devastating. I know what it's like to lose a lot 
but I also know what it's like to rebuild. So just to back up for a minute, I know, I mean, obviously you had a lot distracting you because of your relationship with your husband, but looking back, were there signals just regarding the investments and what went on with the financial problems? Were there things you could have picked up on if you weren't more focused on your clients and your relationship? Yes. Of course, you know that phrase, hindsight's yeah. Yeah. 2020. So I would say, yeah, if I had better understanding of what to pay attention to in terms of the spending habits, if I had paid attention to credit, credit history, I knew about it, mm-hmm. but I didn't really dive into it. And mm-hmm. this is something I talk about in my book, Do Before I Do, having the conversations about money <laughs> before you take that big step. Oh, what a, and, that's great. Yes. Because <laughs> I don't want concept. To Can I just uh, time yeah. out? The number one thing couples fight about are finances. What a concept. Yeah. Talk about it before you get married, you all. You heard it here. I, right. <laughs> that's great. It, it, okay. Sorry to yeah, interrupt. We, that's we, great. Oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. And that's the thing that's so interesting. We get excited. We fall in love. And those are great. That's great. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the reality side of things. There's the lifestyle. There's the hard talks that we tend to avoid. And I can't tell you how many people I meet that are already married that never have this conversation. So you don't even know if your values align. You don't even take a look if you're on the same page when it comes to money and how you want to manage it. And when you think about it, we don't even talk about money stories. It's not something people often hear. And when I mean money stories, it's the experiences. What did you go through growing up? What did you see your parents do when it came to their money? How did they manage it? If we don't even ask our partner what they saw when they grew up, you may not even understand why you guys keep fighting because you grew up with two different worlds of how you saw money being handled in your household. So when you don't talk about those things, when you don't see those things, these are those red flags or at least things that should alert you like, hey, we need to talk about this. I noticed that X, Y, Z. So for me, there were those types of things. And I will say one of the biggest lessons that I learned is about not ignoring that gut feeling. There Mm -hmm. were a couple of things that happened. For example, there was a transaction, a real estate transaction that I was very against. And he wanted to do it. He got his brother involved, his sister-in-law involved. And I kind of felt that pressure. And I knew in the back of my mind, I shouldn't do it. And yet I didn't stick to my guns and listen to my gut instinct. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of just succumbed to it. I'm like, okay, fine. We'll just figure this out. And and it was part of the financial mess. And so Mm -hmm. I would say, looking back, that gut feeling, if it's not something that you feel good about if it's something that's making your spider senses tingle don't ignore that feeling don't ignore that discuss it because if you don't and you ignore it that thing will rear its ugly head later on and you could be paying for it not just emotionally but financially yeah wow yeah i get what you're saying 2020 hindsight you know when you're in love and everything's rosy and you don't want to rock the boat with any of the rosiness (laughs) It's hard to get into those conversations sometimes. So hopefully there will be a few, more than a few eyes opened by your book and by this conversation because it's important. 
So what happened? So the fallout fell. (laughs) You found yourself in a major mess. After you took inventory, Mm -hmm. how were you feeling and what were your thoughts as far as looking forward? Like, what was your mindset at that time? It's like, you know, when you stub your toe against like the bed rail or the the door frame and you don't even want to move for a couple of seconds or a couple of minutes and just like, you know, you want to, you're trying to scream, but you don't want to scream. It's kind of like that where you, you feel the blow, you feel the hit and then you're just kind of stunned. But imagine that stunned feeling lasting for years and you were just kind of surviving. Mm. And so every day you just get up, every day you just continue to do, you know, work and, but you feel like you're just meandering through things and you are almost like, I was almost in shock. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this mess. And it, it was so big, you know, you don't even know where to start, you know? Yeah. So it, it took actually a few years. It's crazy. I look back, I'm like, man, I wasted a lot of time. It took a few years where I had to finally stop and say like, okay, I better start doing something about this. The dust is somewhat settled. And I, when I say a few years, I'm talking around three to five. I just kind mm-hmm. of like, oh, I just don't know what's going to happen right now. And, oh, I forgot this one important part. So after the divorce, about a year and a half later, I had a baby boy, you know, and it, it was an unexpected pregnancy. So not only was I dealing with that, <laughs> I was dealing with like, oh my gosh, now I'm a single mom. I'm a single parent. So I have like all these things. So, you know, a little bit of what has happened in terms of me not doing anything immediately, my focus had to shift. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause it's like, yes, there's this financial mess, but my goodness, there's this baby that has to be taken care of. A little bit of work. Yeah, just a little. And not only that, you know, at the same time, I'm feeling lost with my role in the financial world in terms of, like, do I still want to be an advisor? There were there was even some career transitions I was exploring. You know, it was just, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> I just look back and thinking, I remember feeling lost yeah. for years. Definitely you're, you're a life crisis time period, trying to find your way out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was, you know, that baby, not knowing what the heck I want to do. Do I still want to be an advisor? Never really wanted to leave the financial world and the industry. It just didn't know in what capacity I wanted to continue. And so from that point on, I ended up moving into, okay, you know what? I think I like the coaching side of it. You know, I had done the technical, I had done the investments, retirement planning, all those different things, but I felt there was something missing. Mm -hmm. And so this is what led me to start exploring the coaching side of it. And even more importantly, the money mindset side of it. it. Yes. And so what was so interesting was even through that process, I was learning things that were also healing me. Mm -hmm. And I also discovered the things that I needed to learn for myself in order to heal and move forward. Because a lot of the stuff, when you think about it, in the story I said that I went through, a lot of it was tied to money. Mm-hmm. Why did these things happen? You know, what got me to that place, you know? And one of the things I've discovered was that our net worth is tied to our self-worth. 
So the big like aha was, oh gosh, does that mean I didn't value myself? You know, we talked about, gosh, you just didn't follow that gut instinct. You just let everybody make the decisions. You Mm -hmm. just self-sacrificing. And so it took a lot of reflection to realize like, you know what, maybe I wasn't valuing myself. Maybe I wasn't really loving myself. And in disguise, I didn't realize like, no, it was like I was giving away my power. But when I did that, it led to the mess and everything that had happened. So it it was a big journey and a lot of self-discovery. But through that process, you discover so much. And then you realize, oh, I understand now why that happened. Mm -hmm. And then you move on. You continue to make mistakes. You continue to learn, but you continue to grow. And when you can do that and analyze and have awareness of what's going on and what needs to be done moving forward, there's always a way to figure things out. There's always a way to make things better. And so that's the beauty of it. So I just when I talk about this, I just want to encourage people that no matter what it is that you're going through, whether it is small, like you're in a lot of debt that you feel is overwhelming to, you know, the level of what I went through, no matter, no matter what it is, it's always fixable over time. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so true though. And I've heard that over and over again. Your your self-worth will determine your net worth. And it's those setting boundaries and trusting yourself, your voice. But I just, uh, kudos to you. I think regardless of what you went through, you could have come out of that very bitter and victim mentality. Oh, I was. Uh, okay. Well, it's been a while, <laughs> but you worked through that. Yeah. And then, and then, there was some bitterness. Okay. You clearly are seeing this now as a growing experience that has led you so much further than you were in that self-love, self-worth journey. You learned so much, probably a lot faster than if you hadn't gone through it because you didn't realize there was an issue there, I'm guessing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think it hits differently. You know, here's a quick example. There are people who will want to get life insurance at the time that they see a family member, you know, experiencing death. Mm -hmm. And it's a wake-up call. Mm -hmm. Now it's time to take action because you see it, you're living through it, you're going through it versus trying to convince the person who has no experience or pain from it because nothing has happened. It's different. You're looking at it from a third person lens and like, yeah, I'll get to it. I know I'm supposed to do it. Yeah, okay. And then you get some people who are very proactive and will do it, but that's the difference. The people that actually are going through it and have felt the pain and devastation, they tend to be the people that like, yeah, you know what? I've seen this, I've been through it. I'm taking action now because I don't want that to happen to me. Yeah, yeah. It's the understanding at a distance versus really knowing it, like, yeah, and taking action. So how has this formed or evolved who you are now today and, you know, what you're currently doing? Yeah, so as a certified money coach, I just love this part of the work because it's different. It's The part where it's dealing with the emotions and the relationship with money and the money mindset. And so when I contrast it to what I was doing earlier in my career, 
you know, it was the retirement planning. It was the products, the portfolios, the rebalancing and volatility. And, and I'm not saying that's not important. I'm not saying you don't do those things, but sometimes what we tend to often see is that there's such a focus on the product and the strategy and the logistics and the spreadsheet and the budgeting. But we don't address this stuff. We don't look at what are the things that you're going through? Where did these emotions come from? What did you learn growing up? How has your money story affected your financial decisions today? And so, you know, when you think about it, there are people that will say things like, you know what? I cannot stick to a budget. I keep trying to save and I can't do it. And it doesn't matter how many different types of spreadsheets I give you. It doesn't matter how many different kinds of financial advisors I may recommend. If you don't address those emotions and those subconscious patterns and your money mindset and your relationship with money, this is why there is a continuous block. This is why there's a continuous challenge. And you're asking yourself, I, I can't do it. I don't know why I can't stick to it mm-hmm. because there's a money problem. There's a money issue. There's, and it's the relationship. How are you looking at money? And so for me, it's so exciting to look at those things because you see the light bulb go off. You see people have that aha moment where like, I haven't thought about this in so many years because I have people go through an exercise where they think of the earliest memory that had to do with money as a child, mm-hmm. you know, as early as you can go back in mm-hmm. the archives of your brain and all the way up into the present time. And then you start to see these different situations where this is why you don't feel worthy, or this is why you have a hard time asking for money, or this is why you continuously give it away. So you don't understand these things until you stop and pause and take that mental inventory of what has happened to you. You know, I didn't do any of that when I was a financial advisor. And, you know, so I think that we call, you know, we hear it oftentimes in the coaching world, that inner work and analyzing those things. It's so important and it's so healing. I think through that process, you start to really understand who you are. And when you can build awareness and mindfulness about what has happened to you, then you start to be able to make those steps and take those steps and make that progress that you've been wanting to experience so that it starts to change the trajectory of how you've been managing your money. And so that's what is so fun for me because it's dealing with these things we never really talk about in the financial industry. Got it. Now, I know you mentioned one of the books you have written, but you've written a couple, haven't you? Yes, I have. I've been in in a couple of anthologies. But the one that I wrote, the last one was more focused on the money with couples. And then the other ones were more about like life experiences and different things and inspiring, especially women going Mm -hmm. through difficult times and showing people like like we're talking about, <laughs> you can you can get through any type of adversity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mindset, you know, you've got to, what's the quote? You can't outperform your self-image. So you have to believe that you are capable and worthy and can do it and then take the steps to do it. But you're, you're starting with the mindset, which is just so critical because you have to have the self-image of a wealth builder, I guess it would be. Right. Yes. What you help people I, do I is build their wealth. Yeah, I completely agree. I agree with everything you said in that quote. It is true. You know, and something that I talk about in the book as well is in, even in our brains, there's mm-hmm. the RAS, the reticular activating system, and it's a group and network of neurons 
And so what happens is it acts as a filter. So if we're constantly focusing on the negative and I can't get through this and, you know, and again, looking back at my story, I can see why I stayed in the situation so long in the cleaning up phase because I was constantly in that low vibrational frequency of dum 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 just despair right and just I don't even know how this is going to end versus like I'm going to get through this I'm going to get through this and not seeking the help earlier but mm-hmm. you know those types of things have a dramatic effect on you know what you focus on expands yeah. so if you're constantly you know whatever situation you're in whether it's positive or negative if you're constantly focusing on the negative or scarcity mindset, ask yourself, is it possible that you're there because you're allowing yourself to stay there because that's what you're constantly focused on? So it's, it's so critical that we pay attention to the words that we're saying, the things that we're immersing our brains with, all these different things. What are we surrounding ourselves with? And so when we stop and pause to take a look at how our environment is affecting, affecting and shaping us, There's so many simple answers that we can discover by stopping and pausing and taking an assessment. Like, okay, yeah, I am pretty negative. Yeah, I do keep complaining about my bills. Yeah, I keep saying that I'm not going to get out of this mess. So it's just Mm -hmm. very, very important that we pay attention to the words and the thoughts that we're saying and thinking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've heard advice and people talk about how you know, you embrace and celebrate the bills if you've got the money to pay them. Isn't that an amazing thing? You're helping the economy by sending the money back out into the world. So there's a positive twist to everything. There is, there is. And it is strange when when we're not used to that, but you're absolutely right. And that's a beautiful example. I mean, even taxes, nobody wants to pay taxes, but you think about it, it's like when you pay taxes, of course, there's other strategies to reduce your... (laughs) income, but we're not going in there. But when you look at it, if you look at it from the lens of like, you know what, because I'm paying taxes, it's because I generated income. I helped people. And that's why I made this income. So again, it's it's a different twist. It's a different way of looking at it versus like, oh, I hate these taxes. Oh, I can't stand these bills. Right. It's a different it's a different energy. And so in my brain, I'm always thinking of like a vibrational frequency chart. And as soon as I start seeing that I'm down here complaining, I'm angry, it's I just tell myself, "Eh, eh, raise it, raise it, raise it. Go back to gratitude, Gratitude. go back to love, go back to enlightenment, all those things that are at the top and and appreciation and kindness. And you learn to catch yourself and Mm. it becomes a habit. And that's the other thing too. It becomes a habit where you do have to train yourself because we're not taught how to think this way. We're not taught how to walk around every single day thinking, you know, positive or how to catch ourselves and switching it from like, wait a minute. Okay. And I'm not saying you're not going to have bad days. Trust me. I had my share and I'm going to continue to have more, <laughs> but you know, you just have to make sure that you don't stay there when it does happen. Yeah, it's true. I think it's 95 or 98% of what we do. Some ridiculous number is habitual. Like what we think, what we do, how we act is habitual, but habits can be relearned and retrained. So you, yeah. but first you have to be aware of them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> which, which sounds like the journey you went on. And so empowering to point that out to people before they go down that road, you know, couples, especially what you shared is just great takeaways there. 
So let's see, I need to find out where people can learn more or connect with you if they have additional questions, because this has been a great conversation, but I'm not going to make us go into a part two and part three. They can just like catch up with you somewhere. Where would that be, Jen? Absolutely. So you can reach me and find me at jenmoneycoach.com, J-E-N moneycoach.com. And on social media, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, it's Jen Money Coach. So I try to keep it the same. <laughs> so yeah, send easy, me a message. Easy. Yeah, easy peasy. Send me a message. If you have any questions, I'm happy to share. I'm an open book, as you can see. And I just love shedding a different light and perspective on looking at money versus what you all know my background is. But it's nice to know that I had that technical background and experience. Mm-hmm. but adding this part of it and helping people see that they can improve their relationship with money and the way that they handle it. It's just a different approach. And that's what I get really lit up about. And so I know that if I can make these changes in my life, how much more rewarding it is when I see it happen for other people. That's awesome. So if you had one like first tip for someone that has not explored their money stories and maybe in debt or, you know, a lack mentality or something, what would be the first thing you would suggest that they do? Oh, there's so many, but if I had to pick one. I like to give homework. Yeah. I like homework, homework. Yeah. I'll give you two. I'll give you two. Okay. The first one I would say is do that money story exercise where you can just take a you know a sheet of paper and on the left side write the age that you can think of the first earliest memory of money so for example it could be you know i was five my mom gave me a dollar and told me i could buy anything in the store and i bought a piece of gum it could be that simple mm-hmm. and just repeat that for the next age and next age and at least you start to see there are going to be things that you probably haven't thought of in, in years. I have a client who did this a couple of years ago, and he's now 47. He remembered something that happened to him at nine. Wow. And it had to do with him asking for McDonald's from his dad and his dad yelling at him, saying, do you have money for that? And it actually caused him to have some unworthiness, which we were able to pinpoint that, oh my gosh, this is why you are having issues with money today. So it's it's that powerful. So just start there. Start there so you at least can start seeing, oh, this is what happened. And then this is this is the the what what is the lesson if you can see it that you can derive from that event. So just do that simple exercise. And then the second one is forgiveness. I want you to take another piece of paper. And I want you to just think of people that you are hanging on to unforgiveness about. It could even be somebody that's not even alive anymore. And I think it's so important that we practice forgiveness because, and I also call it financial forgiveness because, for example, in my own story, there was a lot of financial unforgiveness, especially (laughs) towards my ex because of what had happened and because of what I was left with. And here's the problem. When we are hanging on to so much unforgiveness, it just... When you think about it, like you're so angry, and I ask people to do this, you know, you're so angry, you're you're hanging on to that guilt, that shame, you're you're just angry at other people because of what has happened to you. It could be a business partner that the deal went south and they took off and took the profits. I have friends that that has happened to. It could be the spouse or the partner that left you devastated with no money. It could be the friend that you loaned thousands and thousands of dollars to that never paid you back and you lost that friendship. Whatever the case may be, 
write those names down. And with every single one, just quickly think like, okay, I need to release this. And so one of the prayers that I have is like called the Ho'oponopono prayer. It's a Hawaiian ancient prayer. And it's just, it's, and I can share that with you and I'll, I'll give you the link, but it's just simply saying, you know, thank you. I love you. And, you know, it's, there's this, there's a phrase and I'm messing it up right now, but it's about releasing that. Mm-hmm. And that phrase is talking about bringing balance and harmony back into your life. And here's the thing that like one of the most important things that you can do is see when, when we're hanging on to this and we release it because of all the unforgiveness, your hand is open and now you're releasing it because if you don't do that, how are you expecting blessings and opportunities and the flow of money and the flow of energy coming into your life? If you're, you're so busy hanging on and being angry at everything, right? And so we have to question that. Is it because I'm hanging on to so much unforgiveness that the things that I'm, you know, you can write all the affirmations in the world. You can write all the goal setting things. But if you are hanging on to this negative energy, you're creating blocks for the money to come in, opportunities to come in, partnerships, the people that you need to come into your life to help you make these deals or to help you move forward and whatever it is you're trying to go after. So, you know, just release it. And the biggest, most important thing, write your name on that paper at the bottom of that list. Your name, big letters, because we are our harshest critic, aren't we? And the problem is, for many years, for me personally, I was saying I was so stupid. I can't believe I allowed this to happen. I can't believe I let him get away with this. I can't believe I didn't seek revenge. I can't believe how dumb I was. I can't believe... You know, it was just attacking. You know, we do that to ourselves all the time and we need to stop it. And so Mm -hmm. alongside with all those people that we need to forgive, we have to be loving and most of all, forgive ourselves. We have to forgive ourselves because if God Almighty can forgive you, you can forgive yourself. (laughs) So I think that's the two most powerful things that you can do to start and just releasing that energy and forgiving yourself. And it's so important for you to heal internally to do that because once you start doing those things and clearing that space, then you can start these changes and these things that you want and been wondering how come it's not happening. And trust me, like it took me years, years to understand. I should have, if you know, if I could have gone back in time, I would have done so much of this years yeah. ago, years ago. And I would have been so much further ahead but this is why i'm assigning this homework yeah no that's that is so powerful (sighs) jen the whole the whole forgiveness thing is so powerful and i'm so glad you said put yourself on the list because that is first and foremost that's we are our worst critics we are always you know if something's not working out who do you blame first yourself yeah, yep. we say the meanest things. We would never say that to a, well to a friend that you love. We yeah. would never say, "Gosh, you're so stupid! I can't believe you did that." But we do it to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. we do. Really powerful. So, everyone, I hope you wrote down that exercise or listen again because you're going to want to go do both of those. And thank you, Jen. This has been a great, great conversation, and I'm looking forward to hearing everyone's feedback on those exercises. Thanks for tuning in today. Thank you, CJ. If you're like most women, you have a big dream on your heart and really want to make a positive impact in the lives of others. 
But self-doubt, fear, or other limiting beliefs often get in your way. What many women don't realize is that the one thing that can catapult them forward is deepening their self-love and self-esteem. So I have a free ebook for you that's really going to help you in this area. It's called 30 Days to Deepen Self-Love, and you can download it at the link in our show notes. Enjoy. <music> 